This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 385 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Horsewear Winter Grooming Tip. We're going to two regional competitions with Hillary Moore Heber in Virginia at the 34th BLM Championships and Endel Otts on his world travels and the Region 3 Championships in Georgia. Listen in. Poplar Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Whew, Reese, I almost forgot where I was from. <laughs> I was noticing. I was trying not to laugh. I'm not, I heard I'm that. Not I was going, laugh. he doesn't remember where he's from. Yeah. We are recording like, well, kind of late. Let's not bother doing point. another take because I can get I can make it a lot worse than that. <laughs> Hi guys, it's been a long time since we've been together. It has been. You've been traveling the world. Uh, I, yes, there has been world travels for sure. Saw lots it's of pictures fun. of you from France again. Yep, yeah. I, I I was able. Uh, you know, sometimes in life, if you get to stop and celebrate with someone, it's it's worth it. My my dad won a a, a big award uh, in Paris. He's the first American doctor to win it. Uh, oh, so cool. it was really really big deal for him and um and his. Uh, he's an ophthalmologist and he's done a bunch of things to help a lot of people. So that was really special. And uh, I was already on the other side of the pond. So of course I had to go horse shopping and uh, <laughs> to be continued. I have one, one vetting. Phil got lots of emails last week. What do lots you think about this? One? Watching horses go around in circles. Yes, <laughs> Very fun. Because of course on my budget, it's only a four-year-old. So I was like, do you like this one going around in circles? But thank goodness I have Phil on my team and, and it was fun. So I did find a horse, but we won't, hopefully next week we'll have a, a little bit of an update on that. So very exciting. And uh, it was a really, really good week. So, uh, but I'm still kind of jet lagged, not going to lie. I, I keep thinking I'm fine. And then around three o'clock, I'm not fine. <laughs> so That's me on a regular day. Yeah, me too, but the coffee's not working. The, normal <laughs> the coffee, coffee stopped working. Yeah. yeah, it's not working. So, uh, but it's so nice to be back with you guys. And uh, I get want back in the-, the listeners to know too how dedicated you guys are. We're at nine o'clock at night, uh, yep. and you're still here doing the show. That's how dedicated you are to the <laughs> listeners. I've, I've yet to have dinner. Oh well, cranky Phil's so, gonna come. Out. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's either gonna be asleep or he's just gonna be gone. <laughs> he won't be eating dinner. dinner. He will. He will have. He will have dessert and go to bed right after we're done. Ice yeah, cream that's bed. Also a normal day for me. Yeah, that's why you're so skinny. Well, and Glenn too. You had the radio show, so uh, it's always great to have you guys, and and uh, we love it, and we love our listeners, and uh, it's fun. We're back in routine now, and and getting ready for the busy fall. I mean, there's two regional championships this week and I'm already getting massive calls about people wanting to come to Kentucky. So I love it. It's a lot of fun. And we have Radiothon coming up. I We have confirmed a bunch of the prizes now and basically it's going to be bigger than last year. Uh, you guys are participating in Radio, Radiothon this year. It's our 12-hour live event on Cyber Monday, all about we're, the holidays. We're getting our own hour. You're, yeah. We're getting our own hour. Yes. You're, we, you would have had your own hour last year had you been able to make it. But you were traveling, I think, Phil, and uh, yeah. and Reese was uh, teaching. So we, we Yes. Could, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're at, an, uh, again, remind our listeners what time we are this year. Um, I You know, I don't remember. <laughs> I have to look it up. You're earlier in the day. Yeah. One o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be, it's 12 hours live and we give prizes away every hour. And we'll talk more about that. But I've confirmed now the grand prizes and it's $1,200 in grand prizes for one winner at the end of the day. And we're going to give away hourly prizes to a bunch of other people. So it'll be over $3,000 in prizes this year. Uh, don't nice. mind if you see a Judith Stanfield in that listing. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we got some great guests we're lining up that you're working on some, and we're working on some. And let's just say that uh, that'll be a lot of fun with those guests that are going to be coming on as well. All talking about the holidays and Christmas. Love it. Good time. Love, love it. 
Very, very fun. Well, right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're coming back with our favorite guest of the month, Hillary Moore Hebert from Dressage Today from the BLM Championships in Virginia. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, we are very happy to have Hillary Moore Hebert on the show tonight. She's a regular guest of ours and a contributing editor to Dressage Today. And she is joining us from a regional championships in Lexington, Virginia. Hi, guys. Hi, Hillary. How's it going? Fine, thank you. How are you guys? Good, good. Um, we thought we'd I'd start the interview. You're at a regionals, but not a USDF regionals and some confusing stuff. So maybe you can start yeah. by explaining what's going on. Yes. So, and that's why you might be able to hear horses in the background. Yeah, we I love it hearing horses the, in the background. Um, the horse, uh, the horse park of Virginia. We're down here at the Colonel Bent Lundquist Memorial Championship, um, and it is similar to the regional championships, but the region counts not as a USDF region, which we had that a couple weeks ago. It's actually okay. for specific GMO members. So for the U.S., it's group member organizations. So we are members of the Potomac Valley Dressage Association. Um, and there are many along the East Coast that are participating members for this. So you just have to participate uh and get it's the it's instead of the third test of the level it's the second test of the level so we have okay. people from training to fei um and then the fei test it's just the fei test uh and then you have to get a certain score requirement as with the regionals um but you do not need to do two you just need to do one test then get the score and you don't have to pay that magical $10 qualifying fee. So if you get the score and didn't think about whether or not you wanted to qualify, you still are qualified as long as you're a, a GMO member. Cool. Okay. And, and what kind of geography? Is this all East Coast or? Um, I do know that you can do qualifying championships down in Florida, but I, you know, it's, it's not just our region being New Jersey down to North Carolina. There's people outside of the region that come. Um, so you have to be at what is called a CBLM qualifier, which you'll see on the prize list if you're competing somewhere. Um, and so it's sort of scattered. And to be honest, I don't entirely know all of the group member organizations that participate, but I do know that people come from a bit further away. Yeah. So I assume there's a lot of horses and it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big show. Yeah. Like we have, I would say I'm counting, there's a Coliseum an amphitheater, a smaller indoor for the freestyle, and then probably another for outdoor ring. So it's a big show. Well, cool. awesome. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what horses you've brought and what, you know, what you're uh, hoping to accomplish this weekend. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I actually have some students coming and I think it's really cool because our smallest participating horse is 14-3 and our largest participating horse is 17-1. And we have an unregistered paint um, that is doing the training level. We have um, a Morgan who is doing second and third level. We have an Arab Frisian cross who is doing uh, first and second level. And then we have a Dutch warm blood that is doing uh, pre-St. George and I want. So you've got a real variety. Yes. And only one warm blood. So I think that that's a neat thing. Very good. Very good. So um, tell us a little bit of the story behind maybe some of the not so dressage colorized breeds. breeds. Yeah. 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 Without us having to zip our flame suits up. Um, So I think what's really neat is to see how the non warm blood breeds 
can be so compatible for amateurs wanting to be really competitive. I mean, I'm not talking about going out and doing a second level test and barely scratching by to get scores to your bronze. I mean, they're at championships. And I think it's really neat to see that there's horses that are non-warm bloods competing against warm bloods. And it's not to say there's anything wrong with warm bloods. I show them myself and love them equally much. But it's nice to see you have, um, or we have one horse, the paint, she used to be a hunter. And we went into the Coliseum and the rider just had her on the buckle. She was bomb proof. And I'd like to see that there's certain strengths of horses in terms of their backgrounds that maybe, you know, it doesn't have to just be the breed we're talking about, but their backgrounds can help them have more experience. Um, the Morgan, he is 20 years old. He has helped get other riders their bronze medal scores, and he helped my student Jan this year get her bronze medal. Um, she is going to be competing him in the championships, um, and he is sort of that quintessential Morgan. He's just going strong and, um, you know, fit as ever, and it's really phenomenal to see. Uh, he, because he's so old, has been there and done that, as well as, uh, you know, doing some pony club things also, so has a ton of mileage, so that's neat to see. Um, the other horse I think that's really fascinating is the Air Frisian Cross, as you guys probably know, um, is qualified to do a lot of those sport horse shows, which I don't know very much about, but, um, you know, if they're half Frisian or full Arab, they can do a lot of, you know, what I see my friends doing on Facebook where they're posting photos from um, all of those breed-specific dressage shows. And as a result of that, um, she was saying that he's really used to the ring because at those shows, it's a multidisciplinary. So you could be in the warm-up ring with horses that are in traditional costume or, you know, the like. And so he's pretty used to a lot of things also. So I think that that's neat to see. Yeah, I think it's awesome talking about the horses getting, you know, more experienced. I think we, we think too much inside the box sometimes, um, you know, in our dressage showing and just thinking, oh, well, he needs more experience. Take him to more dressage shows. But um, yeah. I know there's some, you know, some smaller um, hunter shows that I've taken students to, uh, you know, not the top level stuff, but, you know, they can do the sort of the, the flat classes and get some experience there and, um, you know, I know I have students who have done some pony club stuff and, you know, and, and hunter paces and, you know, there's a lot of fun things that a dressage horse is very capable to do. That's not so dressage specific. And I think that we have to, you know, think outside well, the box, you know, to get, to get the horse's experience. From, don't you notice too from that is I notice when you go to shows that perhaps have more spectators, then you have people come and do their first dressage show and they're like, what's the big deal about being nervous? There's only three people watching here. I'm no, used to having a hundred people watching. Yeah. So it gives you perspective, I think. I think even if you're not taking your horse, if you just go to some of these events and you, and you, you get out of the box a little bit and, and, you, and you can sort of realize, like, horses have to do a whole bunch of other things and they handle it fine. I think, you know, we yeah. go to a dressage show and, and if somebody claps in the middle of your test, you freak out because, you know, oh, the, you know, it's dressage. You have to be, sh sh you know, be quiet. But um, all it does is it sort of keeps your horse in the box as well and, and you know, um, doesn't expose him to stuff. And, and you get very tense when something strange, you know, sort of happens or if, if all of a sudden there's a loose horse. Uh, in the ring next to your ring and then, you know, it can really throw you off. Whereas I think if you, if you are out to more things, you realize that these horses can, can do a lot more. And, and, uh, you know, I like, I like for beginner riders to, um, to, you know, to buy a horse that's a little more experienced and has been around, but you can also do that with your own horse just by, you know, getting yeah. out there. And, and, and I have students that trailer places to, to just go for a hack or, you know, other students, who are really lucky and get to ride along the beach. And, you know, there's a, a ton you can do with a horse. And if, if you have a dressage horse, that means, you know, they should be under control and calm and steady and be able to do all these things as well. Well, I think it was interesting to me because there's always that cliche of the crazy eventing horses. And I have students to event and I grew up eventing, but I don't think I ever thought about it. And I went to coach, I remember several years ago, 
and every single person had their horse tied to the side of the trailer. Yeah. And I don't know what it's like where you are, but that does not happen in the dressage shows. People no. would be like, you know, they're way yeah. too hot. I would never do that. They'd kill themselves. And so it's interesting yeah. to see quote unquote hot, you know, event horses. And they're all meanwhile, you know, tied up, there's dogs relaxing underneath and they seem a lot more bomb proofed in, in terms of that. So I think it's also neat to see, you know, how people do things because I think in the dressage community, we can get so stuck in what we do and what's neat. Like I am actually watching as Sarah setting up her stall because she is used to doing those four horse shows. She has a different way of doing things that sometimes you learn neat little tricks um, that we just get into our own thing over and over again. Like, I even noticed this is a funny thing, but like when I looked at the New England region championships, they do their um, barn banners like across the top of the aisle from stall to stall, whereas oh, okay. we usually put them yeah. on the tack stalls over the door. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's interesting to see that, you know, just something small like that, but it's just a habit you pick up from everyone immediately around you. And I think the more we expand, our horizons, the more you start to get ideas. And while that's just stall banners, you know, how else does that translate in terms of what we're doing in our training and, you know, just in general, how we are as horse people. Yeah. I mean, really good point. So uh, I was going to ask you today, Hillary, um, what, what kind of tips and stuff are you talking about when you're coaching this weekend? Cause we, I think we have a lot <laughs> so of riders doing their regionals and sort of getting ready for the nationals and, and uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, some coaching stuff. Yeah. So the biggest tip, and it is not mine at all, uh, you know, people talk about this all <laughs> You're the stealing time, again. is you what? You're stealing again. You're stealing tips. Oh, <laughs> I thought that you ha- were having a hard time hearing me. Sorry. No, um, okay. Yeah, I'm stealing again because we all hear this all the time. And I think it's the best advice is don't ride like you're at a show when you go to a show ride every day at home like you're at a show. So when you go to a show, ride like you're at home and then you'll be competitive, (laughs) but then you're not doing all sorts of weirdo things where suddenly you're trying to do this crazy extended trot like you're at the Olympics for the first time and your horse is freaking out because you're putting all this pressure on. You know, I think that that to me is one of the first things that I first of all do at home is I really make sure that the students are prepared so that when we go to the show, they run through the test. I'll even have times if I have someone who's having a hard time remembering it, I'll say to them, you know, as they're in a walk break, I'll start chatting with them about how their work was that day. And then all of a sudden I'll say, pick up your reins, <clears throat> pick up the left lead canter at C and finish the second half of your test. And they have to know it immediately. And I want them that comfortable with it. So we go to schooling shows, we run through the test at home. In addition to working on the quality of the horses, you know, the dressage work, I want them to know the test so that they're comfortable with it and they're not just worried about what comes up next. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's uh, for us dressage types, that's really a very normal thing to ride every day like you're in a show. But, but, you know, how do you mentally prepare for that? And how how do you do that on a daily basis, you know, sort of create a little bit more of that intensity that, that you're going to, you're going to have at a show. How do you do that for yourself? I mean, I think for myself, it's easier to be honest. The big tip that I have for students who work all day long at a job and then they have to come and ride and everything. I give them, I tell them, I don't give them permission. I tell them to give themselves permission to ride for as much as they have the, the brain power for So if that means that you need to get on and walk for 20 minutes, or if instead of riding for 45 minutes, you need 10 minutes to yourself to decompress and stretch, I'd rather that you have quality over quantity. And that I think is the big thing is to give give yourself permission to take time away from being in the saddle so you're mentally prepared, physically prepared when you get in the saddle, and then only do as much as you have you know, the capacity for. And I think, you know, as a professional, that's a bit easier. Probably, you know, as you get onto your eighth horse, tenth horse of the day, it's not so much. But it's better to ride with quality than say, I've got to be doing my 45 minutes. So if we have a lesson and something's great and people are starting to feel tired, 
you know, it's okay if we finish a bit early because the point is to be riding with quality and the quality you want at the show. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, for myself, if I'm going to uh, just talk about it a little bit is that, um, you know, I really try and create every day like I was at the show. So, um, uh -huh. you know, I have almost the exact same warm up with the horses every day. And, and then so, yes, you know, I and, I, and I sort of limit the warm up to what I think the horse needs so that I don't do 40 minutes one day, 20 minutes the other day, 15 minutes. If yeah. I sort of make a plan yeah, that so the, you know this horse, exactly. it's sort of yeah, this horse the yeah, does exactly 15 yeah. minutes and then I need to be ready to do a test. Yeah. You know, and that's and sort of how, how my rides go. And whether I ride the test or not, I, I have that that same plan. And then um, either it will be, okay, now I'm going to do a test now. Or I make the decision, okay, now we're going to work on something that's harder now. So if I, yeah. you know, if I have a, a third level horse and we're competing at third level at that 15 or it's it's usually 15 to 25 minutes at that point, you know, every sort of every day. It's we're doing a test now and I've sort of warmed up all the movements I need for that test or now we're going to, you know, if it's a third level horse, I'm going to do some pirouette work or I'm going to. So it's uh -huh. sort of very structured and that that's what works, you know, sort of best for me so that um, when I get to a show, it's, you know, the exact same warm up and I would go, you know, if he's going to do a third three or whatever, I've done all the same work that would warm up the third three and then I'm ready to go in the ring and just, you know, one chance to do it. Right. So, you know, I sort and of I separate the ride into two, two sections a little bit like that. And then maybe three sections if you, if you include the cool down period. But, um, yeah, I think that, that works awesome for me. And I've sort of done it for my students as well because, uh, you know, I only know what works best for me. So that's, you know, that's how I teach. And then, um, then they also have a plan that I, if I'm not at the show, We've done all the ride. We do it every day, right? They know what they need to have for the yeah, warm up. Yeah, so just repeat it. Just repeat it and 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 go and do it. So what I like about that too, because I do exactly the same thing. I like that too because I think it gets the students thinking like trainers. And what I mean is, don't you agree that if you do the same thing every day, you can start to say, you know, yesterday that leg yield was easier. Today the leg yield to the right feels harder, and he's not off my leg on the left so you start yeah. to become aware of where your strengths and weaknesses are that day you go you know forward in transitions your horse goes flying forward but then you try to slow down and they're not as easy as the day before so you're starting to get a sense too of where your horse is so instead of just going through the movements if you do the same pattern or program you start to get a sense of you know what did that feel like compared to yesterday and the day before yeah, I think it's an important point that I say that, you know, as I'm doing that warm up, you know, in quotations or whatever, that all the corrections are happening in that then and there. Right. So when I say yeah. I'm ready to do the test, it's going to, you know, that test I expect to be perfect because I've done the corrections. You know, if if the horse is running through the hand a little bit, then he gets the, the half halts in that, you know, warm up period. If he's not off my leg, he gets, you know, he gets a little work on whatever he needs to work on. He gets it at, yeah. that at that point and not after. I don't say, and now I'm ready to make all my corrections because all the work that you've done to sort of set the set yourself up is all there. You know, you have to you have to get that horse ready. Like you don't give him 20 minutes to sort of lollygag and go around and do yeah. nothing. No, that, that work has a purpose and it's to correct him and it's to get him ready to do. So if it's the test I'm doing that day, like, then fine. If it's you know, to go from single flying changes to try some tempi changes, he's ready to do the tempi changes because I've done all the corrections. The homework is in. The homework is in that first twenty minutes or so. It's not the last twenty minutes of a ride. So yeah, like you could do important. the warm up. You could do the warm up, get off, and feel like you hadn't allowed yeah. them to get away with things. Yeah, and had a good ride just from it. that. Yeah, if I mean, yes, yeah. If I'm on short day and I'm really pressed for time, that's the ride that they're going to get. Because I know yeah. that they would be ready to perform at that point. Yeah. So yeah. That's that works for me and, and it can be recreated every single day. And I think that's what horses need is just the same kind of riding every day. And uh and that's allows them to be able to uh, perform, you know, at big competitions well, or whatever, because it's very structured well, I think there's don't you think too there's a, a relaxation to it, there's a peacefulness to having that the same way as someone who you know, I don't sing, but I would imagine 
the way that you warm up your voice the same way before you sing, you sort of have comfort in this familiarness. So also too, I like it because then when you're going into the warm up before your test, you're nervous about 150 things. One of them does not have to be, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You have to have a plan. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, sort of, you know, as a trainer, you sort of approach it, you know, kind of like a job, right. And, and that job, you know, just has repetitiveness. So each horse I get on sort of, you know, and they know what the job is and, and we're all ready to do it. And, and, uh, you know, on days where we're not in the ring or, you know, hacking out or whatever, that's all we're doing. We're not trying to, you know, really ride the horse. So I think they just get really, you know, as a rider that gives yourself a plan every day and, and, and it helps with the timing of each ride. So I know, okay, I can fit three horses in in an hour and a half and, and I can do that, you know? So, yeah. Um, that gives my life a little bit of structure too. So perfect. Well, anything else about the regionals before before we leave you to go probably go back to work or whatever you're up to? Yeah, I think we're going to braid horses and then go to dinner. I think the only thing is, you know, it's really exciting to see that, um, you know, everyone has their season wrapping up. So um, I would encourage people to not only think about this, but when you go home and start relaxing, start to think about a little bit decompressing for a second instead of just thinking about work 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 when you get back i think it's good for the horses and people to make sure that you unwind for a second unless you're going to finals at that point you know think about (laughs) it a little bit later but i think we're at a high intensity point right now in the competition season so i encourage everyone once they're done to kind of exhale and enjoy what you have for the season very good that's a great message and hillary how do people find you online they can check us out at dressagetoday.com as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and Pinterest. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next month. Sounds great. This winter grooming tip is brought to you by Horsewear Blankets. Joining us are two of the top grooms in the country of Enter Philip Dutton's groom, Emma Ford, and Cat Hill from World Class Grooming. Well, this week's Horsewear Winter Grooming Tip of the Week is brought to you by Cat. Cat, we're talking about blanketing for the busy work day. You start off in the morning, you make sure the horses have their blankets on, and then you go to work for eight hours, and then it warms up. What do you do? The key to keeping your horse comfortable all day is um, it's pretty simple. It's the same thing that you use, and that's layering. One heavyweight blanket that they wear all night and during the day um, can oftentimes get too hot during the middle of the day. And then especially if you're not coming back again until after dark, then they get chilled because they've gotten too hot in the middle of the day. Rambo has two amazing options for this. The first is their layering option where they have a liner that clips to a top layer and the liner helps to um, regulate their body temperature more similarly to how their own coat works um, because you've got the two layers that breathe a little bit better than just one big heavy layer. And it also helps prevent the chill uh, from from taking hold if they've got warm middle of the day and then cooling down in the evening. Um, the other one is Rambo has a product, which is their Vera layer, uh, which is one rug. It's super easy to use. You need to just put on whatever uh, weight they're going to wear all day, put on in the morning. And um, right now, it's about 40 degrees in the morning and it's getting up to 60 degrees where we are during the day. And so my horse is wearing the, the midweight, um, the midweight bare layer. And what that does is it actually is designed to act more like their own coat. So similar to how performance fleece works for people, it doesn't get too hot, but it also doesn't get, um, doesn't, it also keeps them really nice and toasty. And uh, that very layer system helps horses self-regulate, similar to how their own hair works. So they stay a lot more comfortable through the day. Great advice for a problem that everybody is familiar with and we all worry about when we go to work in the morning and don't get to see our horses till evening. And I'm, I'm glad they came up with a solution like that. Because short of ha- before, the old days, short of having somebody come out at noon and, and take a layer off, that was the only option you had. Well, Kat, where can people find out more about you guys? We're on the web at worldclassgrooming.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram if you look up the same thing, World Class Grooming. 
And she published a book, a uh, best-selling horse book last year, and it's world-class grooming for competition horses. And you can find it on our website or wherever horse books are sold. And we have breaking news just in. Hold the presses. This week only from October 14th through the 17th, you can get $100 off any Rambo turnout blanket, including the Vera Lair that Kat talked about, the Rambo Duo, the Optimo, and the original, the Supreme, and all the others in the Rambo turnout line. All you have to do is trade in your old turnout from any brand for a horse in need. Simply visit horseware.com slash trade for more information and fill out the form for the voucher you will need to get your $100 off. That's from the 14th through the 17th. The complete list of retailers is on the website at horseware.com slash trade as well. Open to U.S. and Canadian residents only. Go to horseware.com today and trade in that blanket that you currently have to a brand new Rambo and get $100 off on this weekend only from the 14th through the 17th. Our next guest is always a favorite, Endelots. He's back to tell us what he's been doing the last year. He's been a world traveler. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Endelots back on the show. Endel, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, you now, I mean, Lucky, your guy, he is now six years old, right? And he went to World Breeding Championships, won the National Championships for Young Horses. Wow, you have had quite a season. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've been very lucky and and very happy with uh, uh, yeah my horse. He's been 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 great. Oh, fantastic! Well, start us out. Start us for the kind of the beginning of the season and getting ready for the World Breeding Championships. Yeah, so I mean, uh, as anybody that knows, on on uh, <laughs> going from single changes to lead changes, uh, that's a little bit difficult, you know, and, and especially with young horses and things. Um, so I had to, um, I had a few, you know, to, to do the the simple changes. It's a lot of, you know, the, it's a big jump from five year olds to six year olds to be able to, do, you know, clean changes on your age with no whip on anything and. So uh, the qualifications, he was good. He had, uh, um, you know, a, a good shows to qualify. Um, I, I qualified in front of Lilo Four, who who judged him at the Young Horse Championships. I think he qualified with 78%. Had I think three nines on across the board on there, and he was um, he was great. I was very very happy with him. Um, was really awesome, and uh, I've been working a lot with Christine Traurig um, since uh, the World Breeding Championships last year. She has been uh, more and more uh, being a mentor and helping me and, and uh, being uh, Mother Traurig, as she calls herself, uh, <laughs> on me. And, uh, um, you know, we I had ridden with uh, Jo Hinneman um, in uh, the USCS Symposium with uh, uh, Lucky and then uh, the other horse that I showed at the World Championships last year. And um, I had a really nice time. I thought it was a really great experience. So in leading up to the World Breeding Championships, you know, this year, I uh, last year I went over and I thought, you know, I went over there five weeks, I think, before the, the Breeding Championships. This year I couldn't do that uh, with, I have uh, more riders and I have B.B. Davis and, and all these people that teach now. I couldn't go over there for that long, so I thought I'd go over there um, a couple of weeks beforehand, get him situated and everything. And I spoke with, you know, a lot of other uh, riders uh, um, to try to plan it out. And, and I went to Hinnemann's place instead of uh, Hans Heinrich's. Um, and uh, I had a I had a nice time over there at Hinnemann. Um, it's a beautiful facility and, and was, uh, you know, super helpful. And uh, I mean, yo, I mean, it was really nice to be able to um, you know, we had dinner with Yo every night with his wife and and uh, uh, his riders, and to be able to you know pick his brain, ask him just random questions on his you know greatest successes and his biggest failures and his you know views on horses and life and everything, and so uh, it was really uh, for me a fantastic learning experience. You know, just to be able to you know ask you know one of the last great masters you know just random questions in the middle of the night on uh, about uh, anything we wanted. And, and oh, uh, you know, I, I had a great time. I wish I would have like had a, a fly. Yeah. Fly on that wall. Not, not going to lie. <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, it was, it was very open. I mean, uh, you know, I asked him everything. I mean, I asked him, you know, what's his, 
what uh, you know what his greatest accomplishment was and what his you know biggest failure was and and uh, you know I mean a lot of the stuff you know and 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 I have to say he was great and I would tell you guys but you know he promised me he made me promise like <laughs> no this is this is between us on there. Uh, you know, yeah, I that's fair. With after a, f- a yeah. few glasses of wine on both sides, and so <laughs> I was just very honest, and I was, you know, asked him about, you know, being, in a, you know, in a relationship with his wife, and 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 you know, with you know how you can make that work, you know, when you have two riders, and if there's any jealousy, and how they work it out, and how things work, and. It was, I found it really fascinating. And I mean, he was just such an open book and so helpful and, and, uh, you know, just a great guy. I I really had a fantastic time. Yeah, nice experience. So tell us a little bit about the championships and the difference of the two years, because you were in uh, Verden uh, last year and this year it was in, uh, it was in Holland, in the Netherlands. So uh, yeah, uh, tell us how your experiences varied and and how that some, maybe some of the similarities as well. Well, I mean, you know, if you start out with just the showgrounds, I mean, in in uh, in the Netherlands, uh, the the long jeans uh, championships w- or, or the shows that they have for jumpers and things, the, I think it was the son of the guy who runs the long jeans championships um, for jumpers and stuff. It, they managed it. Um, at Ermelo for the World Breeding Championships, and it's the first time they've held it there. And they really did an amazing job. I mean, um, from the, the VIP tents to the Wi-Fi to the people to the warm-ups, everything. I mean, they they really pulled out all the stops with everything. It was a fantastic experience with horses and people, and they're friendly. And it was it was really great, you know. And um, you know, on on that aspect, on you know, and they had it in a nice big stadium where they have the Dutch National Championships, and it was great i mean it was a beautiful atmosphere and everything i have to say that you know since i have ridden at verden where you know the people i mean you could reach out and grab a you know a, a kaiser roll off somebody's plate when you're riding around the outside you know it it, it was i i like that actually i thought it was so electrifying and so like you can you can hear people talk and then it's so great when you're riding in the ring and then everybody gets quiet and you're like oh i'm either do i'm doing really good you know i mean and and when everybody's quiet and and here they had the stadium and it was a little bit grander but it it had a a little bit less of a like the hometown feel on there they had um at verden there's a hill on the short side when you enter at a where like little kids and 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 uh, um the families had camped out there and and i mean you saw how popular just horses were among people around in that area that it was such a big thing and you know while it was really great in grand i think it was really they they did the best job they could to live up to um to live up to Verden, um, you know, and they really did a super job with everything and they, they really pulled all the stops, but it's hard, you know, to have to then move something that has been set in a area for so long to move it to somebody, someplace else. I mean, people have been going to that showgrounds, you know, at Verden for this world championships for generations, people that don't even, you know, care about dressage or, you know, just normal people with their kids came off the street in there. So, I think that was, they did, they could not have done a better job. It was just, it's an impossible task when you have that, you know, that atmosphere and that kind of feeling at, at Verden. But no, it was great. It was a, you know, super fun experience, you know, leading up into there. Um, it was really nice. Uh, I, I, I have kind of passed by David Whitman a little bit here and there, and I, I didn't know him super well. He teaches some clinics at the same places I have, and it was nice to get to know him a little bit better. Um, and uh, that was fun. Um, in the schooling leading up to it, I'm, Lucky was great and he was really super. And I, I think that, uh, for me, it was a little bit of a learning experience because I, I went in, I went into this championship for last year, him finishing 11th. And, and I mean, I had no really expectation for him to do that well. And I a little bit pushed him a little too hard in the test. So I, I a little bit was trying to make everything even a little bit more extravagant and say, okay, well, you know, I get an 8.5 now, well, I want a nine and then push it a little bit more. So there was a little bit of tension. I had clean tests um, on all the days, um, but it was just, it was a little bit too much tension on there. And I, I think that inst- I, I lost a little bit of the harmony on there. And, and uh, that's also what Christine said, you know, she said, you know, no warm up. I mean, here's, never looked so good you know and she said it was great and it was super and she said you know you went in that you went in the ring and and uh you know like it just 
it changed a little bit, you know, and, and originally she thought it was lucky. And I said, ah, you know, it wasn't, you know, I, I said, I went in there and I thought, okay, all right, you know, he schooled so good every single day. And I had, you know, so many people come up to me and tell me how great he looked and everything. And I thought I would, you know, Hey, okay, I'm going to show them. I saw him how good he is. And, and, you know, it, for, for me, he had good rides. Um, you know, he didn't make it into the final, but he had good rides in there. And I was just, you know, it was for me a learning experience, you know, and I, I, it, it, you know, made me remember that this is not a sport like you go and you go racing or running and you go as fast as you can. And then you end up in the end and you put as much effort that there's a line. And if you go past that line, tension comes up. And I think that it was good for me as a rider and, 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 you know, hopefully as a future competitor for the U S to be able to look and say, there's only so much you can try that if you go past a certain point of trying too hard, that it's it, it, it tension comes up because you have another partner in there. And, and, you know, while I would have loved, you know, to, to have, you know, done as well as I'd had the year before, uh, I think it was important for me to learn that lesson on there. And, and that's, you know, what I, what I changed when I went over into Chicago. Um, when, when I went back home, you know, I flew home right afterwards and, you know, I had a, a conversation with Christine, and I schooled lucky at in Chicago for the national championships. And, you know, I rode around there and all the judges came up to me um, after the first ride. And they said, well, wow, that's amazing. We've ne- they, they all, the, the biggest comment they said was, we've never seen you ride this horse this well. Um, really great, super job. And then they came up to me after they did the comments and they came up and they said, why didn't you do better in Europe? If you rode like if you rode if you like, rode like this, that, yeah. yeah, thank yeah. you. Why thank didn't you? So you much. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't you? Why didn't you do better in Europe? And I said, <laughs> well, I didn't ride like ride like this. I rode <laughs> way too much in there. And they're like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. And and so no, I think it's good. You know, I mean, you you reach a little bit too far, and I think uh, you know you try just a little bit too much. Um, and you know, I think it's good. I mean, the the you know, Lucky tries so hard for me that, um, you know, he, he, he'll try harder than he can actually do, you know? So when I try to make everything even bigger than he, you know, he can do it, he'll try. And then oh. tension comes up because he physically can't. Yeah. Well, and I think so. that that's just such a great just tip for everyone is, you know, we all want to go in the ring and not everyone, but I would say the majority of us are pretty competitive and you want to do better in the ring. And, but sometimes that works against you and you really have to totally. you really have to think about it. And I think what's cool is, you know, I think we all have to learn that lesson and, and kind of reevaluate, you know, what you're doing. And, and I think that's really cool. And I, you know, here you're at, you're at the top, you're at the, you know, the world championships and you're saying, you know, I, ah, yeah. So I think that was really yeah. cool and a really cool tip no. for all of us. Well, and, and I think, I mean, for me, you know, I, you know, I had, I had, you know, such, you know, success last year on there that I, I hadn't really expected. And I just went in there and rode my horse. I just showed everybody my horse and, and, you know, I, I went in here and I was trying to show even more, you know, instead of just, just riding around, just showing them the horse and letting Lucky do his job and, and not getting in his way. And, um, you know, when I, when I do, when I do that, you know, and just let him kind of go around and, you know, organize and, and, you know, show him, uh, it goes great. But, uh, I, when I try to make him something is not, when I try to show a, a horse that's maybe eight, nine years old, because he has a talent for that, then, you know, you can see where there's a little rhythm mistake here, or there's a little bit of tension there. And, and I mean, and when I watched the test, I looked at it and go, Oh, okay, I get it. And, you know, it was really what I, what I really like and what was for me, my highlight from, from Ermelo was uh, they had a cool new system over there. So you do the first test. If you don't make the, the, if you don't make in the top 12, you do it again on the, the second day. And, and so I did it. I, I, you know, had tried too hard the first day. Then the second day I thought, okay, I'm really, I'm just going to ride. I'm just going to show them the nice horse. I'm going to show them how it goes. And, um, it was, it was great for the, uh, they have the, the spectators. Um, they also judge on there. So they, they post that on oh, the big cool. scoreboard and on, yeah. And on the second day, uh, I won on the, the spectator judging on there <laughs> and it's very, and so it was really nice for, you know, and for me, that was my highlight is that, you know, okay, 
it, it didn't correlate, and it's very difficult at these big championships if you don't win the first day or you mm-hmm. don't do you you know really well or you have a big disaster. It's just kind of where they look at it and they go, ah, I don't love it. It's really yeah. hard to get back in there. But it was for me really nice to have the spectators look at it and say. I really like this combination. I like how it looks. And, you know, that for me was, was, you know, what I learned from there, you know, to be able to look at it and say, okay, I, you know, I, I learned my lesson the first day, you know, it's a little bit of a hard lesson, a little kick in the, kick in the, uh, in the stomach, but, uh, you know, was needed. And, uh, you know, I, I had, I had a great time. Awesome. Well, that, that is really, uh, that's cool. It's cool to hear that. And it's cool to hear, you know, how you can change because it really, you're developing this horse. He's going to be a, he already has been a fantastic horse for the United States. And now, you know, this is how you make him even, even better. So what's the plan with him? What is he up to right now? Yeah, well, I, I have to say I haven't done anything with him. I, I have <laughs> played around with a little bit of uh, in-hand Piaf steps with him. But uh, in an interview I did when he won the, the six-year-olds, I said that I was going to, you know, do the, you know, focus on the developing St. George for next year. And I a little bit said it without thinking. And uh, I, I had a conversation with Christine and I said, you know, I, I don't want to. And I said, tell me, you know, tell me I'm wrong. You know, like, give me a half halt. I can take it. You know, like, tell me I should just go for it and whatever. And she said, no, you're absolutely right. Don't, you know, go for the, you know, don't go for the developing St. George. Don't go back to Europe for, um, you know, for the seven-year-olds in the pre-St. George. Focus on that this becomes a course that, you know, can represent the U.S. in, in the Grand Prix. And, uh, you know, like, it, it's enough. It's okay, you know. So mm-hmm. I think for next year with him, I, I don't think I show him. I think that I, you know, play around with uh, some of the Grand Prix stuff. Maybe the year after, maybe when he's eight, I'd also, I would do some uh, um, developing St. George with him, you know, and, and play around and just kind of feel, you know, where he is with stuff. Because, I mean, he has been, you know, he's been such a good boy and, and you know, crisscrossed all over and and you know it was it was important for i would say it's it was more important for me to go to chicago than it really it was for him i really wanted to prove that i could do it that i that i you know um could ride in the way that i wanted to and you know he didn't need to you know i mean you know he he's you know such a good horse and and, and really positive and with me and i mean he loves his work and i don't want to lose that and i want to really keep him honest in the ring and i mean the, the horse i mean i've shown him at four, five different shows maybe six different shows in total including the world championships i mean not many and um i think that you know, in the next year or so, I mean, I want to continue to develop the uh, the Grand Prix. I mean, the the Piaf is there, the Passage is there, the the chains are there, pirouettes are there. Um, I mean, everything is there. And so, you know, the conversation I had with Christine was, it doesn't matter. So, what's the point of going and winning, developing, uh, you know, St. George over there in Chicago? It's a great thing and it's a great program. But, you know, it's really important to keep an eye on. And that I have to give Christine the credit on there. You know, she's like, you got to keep an eye on what's really important, what, you, what the end goal is. You know, and the end goal is to represent the U.S. in, you know, international Grand Prix sport. And, and you don't want to, you know, the horse loves showing and, you know, he, he really gets along with it well and he has been you know very solid with with soundness and with everything you want to keep that you want to keep it fun and keep it happy so i think um just playing around with um you know just schooling and playing around with the grand prix stuff i mean i might throw him in a saint george next year in a national thing but i'm not going to do the the young horse stuff with him next year and and just uh just give him a nice year to grow and relax and get strong and and uh then you know see what he tells me and where he tells me he wants to be and uh go from there that is awesome Endel. well you've just done such an amazing job with this horse and we've enjoyed watching you the whole time with them and uh how can our listeners find you online if they have any questions um, if they have any questions, Facebook is great. Uh, I have this, I guess there's a limit. Yeah, it's like a 5,000 friend limit. So I, I don't know if I have any more friends I can have. I have to delete people. But but if you just 
Google Google <laughs> my name and and uh, I have a website. You can send me a message on there. And and anybody you know that that has any questions, I, I'm I'm happy to answer. And I, I for me, it's very important also. Like if there's any um, you know kids that are listening or young riders or you know anybody that I can you know help and be able to give any sort of advice to, I, I mean, email me. You know, I mean, my phone number is on my website and whatever. Email me, text me, bug me about it. I mean, I'll do the best I can. You know, it was very important for me, you know, when, when I, you know, moved from different trainers to different places, um, you know, I had emailed a few people and a few, you know, quote, famous people. And I have to say, you know, a lot of these people that were very successful never got back to me and never emailed me or then emailed and said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really busy. I don't have time to talk to you. But uh, anybody that, you know, if there's any kids or anybody or anything that I can help with anybody with, um, I'm, I'm happy to give you, give you my opinion. And it's only my opinion. It's not anything, you know, it's only from my experiences and everything. So anybody I can help, I mean, I am more than willing to, uh, uh, you know, help out anybody that, uh, that wants any help I can give them. Oh, Edel, you really are such a nice guy and, and everybody he's, he's, he's true. He's such a great guy in person as well. So <laughs> thanks Edel so much for coming on the show. We always love having you and uh, we my, can't wait to check in with uh, Lucky next year. All right. Well, that sounds like a good plan. And, and I'm always, uh, thank you guys for having me on the show. And, and I, I really am very honored to be here and very happy to be a part of it. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, we've been promising for the last couple of weeks we were getting some listener tips on. So, Phil, you have one, right? Yeah, we have a listener sent us a really nice email. It's a little long for me to read the whole thing, um, but it's a horse. It's a Hanoverian draft cross. Sounds like a really good horse. Um, the The person has been competing him in training level with some really good scores, above seventy percent here. And um, it looks, it sounds like they're on the right path, but they're having a trouble with the lengthenings. Um, she says, "I found that if I slow the rhythm down, I lose the the activity behind, and if I ask for more power behind, I get a rushed horse." So I think this is a very, 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 very. I, I don't know if I can say very enough a, a, a big problem with a lot of horses and developing them and how do you develop the lengthenings without you know the horse rushing and you know um how do you train that so i think we'll, we'll just i'll throw it to you there reese and and yeah. how do you develop the lengthening and how do you get not so much rushing and and all this thing well the first thing i like to tell all my students when we're sort of having this conversation and sometimes um you know, even, even really, really top horses, they don't have the balance in training to first level that they need for the lengthenings, which is where sort of the rushing comes from. And so I tell them, you know, I really remind them that a lot of this is strength. Strength is a super, super important thing. And strength does not happen overnight. Um, some horses are naturally gifted with a super, super lengthening and others are, aren't as, as gifted uh, in that department. So that's the first thing I say is, listen, sometimes this doesn't happen overnight and you need to take your time with your do- why you're doing it because uh, you are building strength. So that's the first thing I would say is um, one of the things I like to do for strength building, we do talk about cavalettis and trot poles. I think those really help because I think they help activate the hind leg. I think the listener is on the right track. She knows, okay, if I activate the hind legs, um, then sometimes he rushes because he can't keep the balance. Um, so that's normal. And I would also say sometimes you think, oh, okay, I can go the full 60 meters of the arena. Um, but that's really, really difficult for horses to do, especially the ones that don't have the balance that you want. So um, one of the things that you need to also make sure is that you have a half halt. Uh, that the horse is able to sort of rebalance on the hind legs when they get long and flat and start to rush. So those are a couple things. A lot of transitions, we talk about that a lot, but that is really real here. I like to make sure that my horses know how to go into the corners and rebalance a little bit in the corners. Some of this is a little more advanced than first level, but it's the right idea. And then um, uh, also just remember that the time is is important and repetition will help you build that strength so phil what's your next step well i think that um you know this is a place where 
uh, I don't know if people can remember, but all of the all of the tests used to, you know, up until second or third level were written in the 20 by 40 ring. And mm-hmm. so I like your point that you said that it is really difficult across the 60 meter ring to keep a decent lengthening for a horse that is at first, you know, a horse who is truly at first level. This is really tough. Um, you know, so we talk about showing, you know, sort of training at home for second level and and then showing it first level because the second level um, can or walk transitions build build the strength to be able and you develop it yes. and then you bring it into the trot. So. I think that's something to look at is to maybe spend an extra year at training level and and mm-hmm. try and you know show at training level for that year, but train to second level if that makes any sense. No, um, it does. The other yeah. thing, I, the other thing I found kind of useful in these kind in these horses because um, it is a really difficult problem even for trainers um, is to try to do the lengthening to a walk transition. Oh yeah. And if you go lengthening to like on on the on the idea of a free walk. So the horse, so you sort of push the horse along and then take them to a super relaxed long frame um, to not do that. In the tr- I mean, that's I'm trying to describe this is a little tricky now that I've gotten into it a little bit, but that's <laughs> it's, it's teaching forward and relaxed at the same time, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do a little bit your lengthenings in shoulder in. Again, that's the idea of training at second level, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and training the lengthening, you know, and it's just three strides at a time. I know that's tough yes. to, you know, sort of stick to that over a few months, but three strides at a time and then back again and three strides at a time and back again. and just ad nauseum, you know, yep. and don't expect even 20 meters, you know, they can't um, do five it. meters. Yeah. yeah five meters it. at a time is fine. Um, the other thing I do is, um, is to start with a 10 meter circle, do a lengthening and end with a 10 meter circle so that, the transition forward and back is not necessarily coming from your hands and legs is that the horse can a little bit more naturally develop it. And I think, you know, keep it, a, keep, stop, don't do it across the diagonals because on the diagonal, the horse is expected to lengthen and sort of change the balance and the bend at the same time. That's, I think that's a, a big problem. I'm doing it along long sides and short sides. So the horse stays in one direction. So you can master that first before you can master the, the length and combined with the, the with the developing the balance as you sort of change the direction at the same time. So I would start on you know on the long side with a ten meter circle right out the corner or even in the corner, push the horse on a few strides and then ten meter circle so you're not grabbing the reins back and you know pulling. it's that pulling backwards that that makes yeah. the horse a little bit nervous and can make your rhythm really problematic and can also lead to tension because the horse wants to go forward, but knows that at the end of the forward, there's a lot of contact coming and then they're, they're nervous about going forward and then, and then it just snowballs and has that effect. So you try and, you know, develop ideas that, that, um, don't pull the horse backwards and, -hmm. you know, sometimes let them rush a few strides, let them sort of figure it out. Don't always, don't always stop them making the mistake. They have to sort of make the mistake themselves and learn for themselves how to correct it. You know, you have to get out of their way sometimes to uh, to develop the horse. But every horse is a little bit different, and yep. this is a super challenging step. So it is, it is, and I liked your idea of you know do three strides. Um, that is a super big pet peeve of mine. Is people keep going across the full diagonal. Oh, then you kick, 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 pull, kick, and the balance isn't the balance of the rider yeah. isn't good, and it's just yeah. And again, these things snowball so quickly. Yeah. That that now you're developing a training problem instead of good habits. So. Right. I like that. Three strides. Do it again. Three strides. Do it again. Three times. That's a. That's yeah. A great and, then, tip. and you know a walk break in between. You know, if the horse is getting tense, don't do it. Right. Like just. You know, maybe for two weeks you stop doing it. Yeah. You know, no, the I tension like is our the tension is our enemy, as you heard earlier in the, in our interview with Endel as well. I mean, that's everybody's issue is to try and train the horse without tension. Right. So. Absolutely. That's my five cents, I guess. (laughs) Well done, Phil. Well, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is on Facebook, probably, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. 
everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week.